The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy DeAnthony Wednesday, everybody. Wait, that's not right. No, I think that is right. Happy DeAnthony Wednesday, everybody. You guys know what we're going to talk about on today's podcast. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. And I am your host, Dan Bespris. Took me a minute, but I got there. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Just the name I said before, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or Google search Dan from HoopBall. I'm pretty sure that all of you have at this point, but I like to throw it in there at the beginning. As I like to say, you assume one new person is listening to every single podcast you do, or show, or play-by-play, or whatever the hell it happens to be, and uh, you want to make sure they know how to find you. HoopBall is hoop-ball.com. I hope a few of you guys ventured over there yesterday to check out the Wager Pass and the Fantasy Pass as per my suggestion on the podcast and i hope more of you have checked out the contest we have running and i'm going to keep it going until we get sufficient entries and then i'm pulling a name out of a hat i have a list of them going right now so don't think i haven't missed any of you guys the contest that we're running right now here on fantasy nba today is for those of you that are rating and reviewing the podcast writing something nice with your five-star review and then screenshotting it to me, either on Twitter at Dan Vespers or emailing it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com are entered into a contest for cash. We will be depositing money into an account for you over at MyBookie. It's real cash, not promo dollars. You can do with it whatever you like. You can cash it out, just put it in your pocket, takes a, uh, a little bit. If you have Bitcoin, it actually comes out pretty quick. You can gamble it. If you already have a MyBookie account, I don't care. We'll put money in there also. If it's a brand new one, even better. So the prize is hanging in the balance, but we're going to keep running the contest until we get the right number of entries. And I'm sure some of you guys listening are like, ah, oh, Dan, I reviewed this damn show two years ago. Find another phone. Find another iTunes account. I don't think you can just make a new one. I'm fairly certain that Apple is looking for uh, burners and stuff like that. But if you have a, a sibling, significant other, parent, grandparent, whatever it might be, just uh, go grab a phone. Ask them, hey, man, can I borrow your phone for 20 seconds? Flip in there, subscribe to the show on the podcast app or in iTunes on someone's computer or whatever it happens to be. Write a review, write something, click the five-star deal, and then screenshot it. It's super easy. There's no purchase necessary. It's something that I've been asking you guys to do for a long time, and now is an opportunity to win some money out of it. So participate in the contest. Hit me up on Twitter again or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com and get yourself involved in that contest here. We will run it until we hit the threshold. And we're getting there. A few of you guys trickle in every day. I know some of you are thinking about it, so hopefully today's the push to get you over that hurdle. I want to get you guys, I want to get somebody some damn money. Really want to get somebody some damn money. Go on, check out the uh, HoopBall premium subscriptions. I'm going to keep pushing that on you guys right now because that's a big deal. We need to make sure that folks are continuing to join up. And more than anything, we want to make sure the folks that are joining are using the Discord service we have right now. It's really hopping. We have live chats on the fantasy side going all the time. Pros just answering questions all day and night. On the wagering side, just discussions on every sport as they're happening. 
live betting, things of that. Like it's it's really it's humming. And so if you guys are a premium subscriber and you're not using that, that's actually just as important to me as new folks signing up. So I hope that all of you out there, and I know many of you that listen to this podcast are also subscribing to something here at Hoopball. Please, Lord, use your Discord membership. Might be the most important tool you have outside of, I guess, if you're on the wager pass, the actual top play thread. But it, it certainly on the fantasy side... The Discord is probably the best thing we've got going. Because you can get all your stuff in there. You get that one-on-one interaction where you someone can break down your individual team. Hey, man, this is a trade I got, Hoopball Pro. And the Hoopball Pro will get back at you. Here's what you got to do. Anyway, I don't think we're going to have that much promo the rest of the show. I wanted to knock it out here early. We've got a pretty quick Tuesday to recap, actually. Not a ton of super interesting things outside of DeAnthony Melton. So what we're going to do for this Tuesday show, or this Tuesday recap, I should say, is we'll break down the five games that I thought were relatively, not, you know, not completely uninteresting, but relatively uninteresting. So a couple of injuries here and there, opportunities to stream a guy here and there. That type of stuff is popping up every single day. But then I want to loop back around to the Memphis Grizzlies, who remain one of the weirdest teams to fantasy or gambling handicap in the NBA. So let's start Clippers-Boston. Kawhi Leonard, a very late scratch, like literally after the scheduled tip time of the game. He was listed out of the starting lineup. We all thought it was health and safety protocol stuff in the moment because the Clippers were being extremely nebulous about whether he might play in the ballgame. It eventually came out that it was back spasms, so I guess that's all right. My guess is he probably sits out the Clippers' other game this week. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong, but I don't think I am. And then you get yourself a whole bunch of rest time. Marcus Morris took a shot to the back of the head late in the first half. He didn't return. Concussion protocol stuff going on there. So protocols, one side turned out to be the other guy. This is go big time for Paul George now, who had 32-5-4 with a steal and five three-pointers. His efficiency is going to take a hit with no Kawhi, and everybody's going to have to do a little bit more in this next ballgame if, indeed, Kawhi sits out one more. If he does, you've got a really clear path, especially if Marcus Morris misses another ballgame, or a ballgame, I guess. Reggie Jackson, he'll do a bunch Tough guy to trust, though, Reggie Jackson, because his game is so heavily predicated on the scoring side. I think I'd probably rather take a shot with Nick Batum as a potential, you know, he's he should be on rosters anyway, but as a streamer goes, he gets uh, a big kick in the pants. He's going to have to like, probably take six or seven shots instead of three or four, and you hope that he can luck into some steals, some blocks, some three-pointers as well. I'm trying... This is like an addiction for me. I'm trying to quit Patrick Beverly, who I always come back home to because of his cockeyed fantasy lines, his rebounding, his steals, his blocks, his threes from the point guard position, just a weird combination. And he had him in this ballgame, but he also plays himself into injury. I don't think he can go full 30-some-odd starter minutes every night without getting hurt. And that's why I tilt Nick Batum and... Points leagues, you could probably look at Reggie Jackson. But this is short-term stuff, though. So, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because you're probably looking at, at most, one game of streamage. Boston side had a, a pretty interesting footnote, I thought, in that Time Lord saw critical late-game minutes. And he probably should have been on rosters anyway, 
He's currently inside the top 109 category leagues, which by default makes you a guy that should be on rosters. He's number 91 coming into this ballgame and that number only going up. But the minutes for him have been a little bit more consistent. Not perfect, but what's really nice to see is that he's at 22, 18, and 22 minutes. His last three ballgames, and the Celtics' big men have all been healthy. And outside of Marcus Smart, who's been out for a month and change at this point, the other key guys were all in there as well. Uh, although I think, did Jalen Brown miss one of those ballgames? It doesn't really matter. The point is, in this ballgame against the Clippers... All of the Celtics' high-usage guys were there, except Marcus Smart. Daniel Tice was there. Tristan Thompson was there. And despite all of that, Robert Williams got 22 minutes of playing time. Which sort of tells you he's beginning to iron out some of the mental mistakes. One thing to take note of, as guys like Robert Williams... Mitchell Robinson is actually another good example of this. As guy and Jaron Jackson Jr., as these guys start to get asked to play on skates a little bit less and play with good defensive positioning a little bit more, their fouls per minute will come down, but also defensive stats come down with it. Cuz they're not just flying all over the court doing kind of stupid things for defensive schemes racking up their own defensive stats, but just leaving offensive rebounds, putbacks, layups all over the place and and just being in the wrong place all the time. Uh, so, you know, the, you take the good with the bad. The, the per minute for Robert probably comes down ever so slightly if indeed his minutes do trend up from 15 to, let's call it, 18 or 19. But the extra time on the floor will counterbalance that. What I mean to say there is, you know, right now in about 16 minutes of ball game, he's at like 7.6 rebounds, a steal, and about a block and a half. If that goes up from 16 to 18 or 19, you might not get the exact percentage gain of, you know, if it goes up to 19 minutes, that's a gain of about 20%. You might not get the full 20% bump. Might be something slightly less than that, but it'll be positive. Minutes are a positive. And that, to me, is what jumped out. His minutes have been trending up. And where he'd been kind of a difficult guy to roster at times because he had those two or three games where suddenly he'd only played 12, 13, 10, 14 minutes and not do anything with it and then come roaring back with a 20-minute game where he had five, six defensive stats. And you just said, all right, well, you know what? It averages out in the long haul. Now you're getting to a point where there might not be those... 14-minute games. The 14-minute games might be 15 or 16 now, which is what we were looking at before and saying, look, if he gets to 15 or 16, he's in business. It's the 12s combined with the 18s that made it hard to swallow. It was the 12-minute games. He literally was doing nothing. It was like three points, two boards, and a block. And then you averaged that with the 12 and 7 with two steals and four blocks, and the combination of the two of those got you to something of like a poor man's Nerland's Noel. If all of it, if the low-minute games come up from 12 to 14 and the high-minute games go from 18 to 20, the bad ones don't look so bad. They, you can just sort of glaze over them. You can just brush past it, and it won't have that gut punch 
where, you know, if you're in a head-to-head league and you need him to perform on a Sunday and that's where he puts up the 12-minute nothing burger, it kills you. So hopefully those things are trending away. If he's available in any of your leagues, you absolutely positively must be adding him now. He's not particularly available in my league, so maybe I'm spending too much time on him. Maybe your leagues are equally competitive, but he is only some 40% rostered, and that's been trending up pretty hard the last couple of days. Uh, Elsewhere in this ballgame, don't care. Jason Tatum has, uh, like Jalen Brown, kind of fallen. Tatum's at 22, the late second rounder that was likely drafted at the end of the first round or kind of on the turn, and Jalen Brown is at 46 now. So foul things are afoot in Boston. The guys are not coexisting quite the way that I think uh, perhaps we were hoping they would. Kemba was good, at least. At least Kemba was good. And he's been ramping up lately. Kemba, top 70-something over the last month and over the last two or three weeks. I believe he's even better than that. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's a third-rounder over the last two and a half weeks on 24 points, four threes, great free-throw numbers. He's putting up kind of classic Kemba numbers over that stretch. Like, he actually looks pretty damn healthy. That was a buy low that we recommended that really paid off. Atlanta, coaching bounce. Not surprisingly here, they got a Miami team with no Jimmy Butler for the second straight game, but they didn't take him lightly. They clamped down. They focused hard on defense. They won this ballgame with Trey Young really playing a bad ball game. 94 to 80. A lot of stuff, actually, to, to kind of pull through in this game, but I don't think it's going to take that long. On the Miami side, you know, who the hell cares? It was an 80-point game. Everybody was terrible, except, I guess, Duncan Robinson was okay. Goran Dragic was okay. Kelly Olynyk was whatever. We're not going to... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to spend that much time on the Heat side. That was very ugly performance. I'd rather look more at the Atlanta side for a couple of reasons. Number number one, you might see them give a little bonus effort. I think they, they if I'm not mistaken, they have their back-to-back tonight... They in Orlando? Yeah, the Florida swing, which is their last game before the All-Star break. And for most teams, I'd say, well, they might be looking ahead to the time off. I think this Hawks team really wants to make a stamp here going into the break. So we'll, betting-wise, we'll take a look at the line on that one a little later in the program. Fantasy-wise, what do we think the Magic do with Trey Young? Those two teams haven't played yet this year. We've seen definitively that the teams that get the ball out of Trey's hands hold the Hawks to a much uglier shooting percentage and this one Atlanta had 23 turnovers how do you win a ball game losing the turnover battle by 16 atrocious and that's because the Heat had great schematic defense they just didn't score at all now you're not doing anything different with Trey Young certainly but from a what do we expect of the team it's really good to know how a particular opponent is going to play the Hawks It, it means a great deal I would assume the Magic are smart enough to, know, to to watch footage of these types of games and go, okay, well, this slowed them down quite a bit. That said, I expect the Hawks to put another big effort forward because they, you know, this is the, and I think Nate McMillan even had a quote after the ballgame that was like, look, Lloyd wore it because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. So let's fix that. Bogdan Bogdanovich made his return, played 16 minutes. That'll probably slowly ramp its way into the mid-20s, and that's not enough for him. So I'm not 
I'm not in the Bogdan camp. You can you can quote me on that one. If he starts to play better, I'll eat my hat and you know what? I'll wear it. But his fantasy game is not that robust. He needs to be I shouldn't say that's not a fair way to describe it. He just needs to be a primary ball handler, scorer on a team to get to that mark. Like last year when Buddy Heald went to the bench and it was De'Aaron Fox and Bogdan kind of trading off offensive possessions, that was enough for him. But being, I don't know what fiddle you'd call him on this team, he's coming off the bench and he probably continues to do so, although I guess you could see them playing Bogdan and Herter side-by-side and benching Tony Snell. I don't know that they will. Snell's better defensively. He's more of a kind of fill-in-the-other-slot guy right now until Cam Reddish comes back. So what is Bogdan really going to get to do? Maybe he gets some usage with the bench bench unit, but Gallinari is in that unit, so he's going to steal some. If... Yeah, so I'm out. I don't have anything else to add there, really. I'm just not a big Bogdan guy, especially not in this role. Spurs apparently not shorthanded enough. Blew out the Knicks, 119-93. to No Derrick Rose, health and safety protocol, so he's probably out through the All-Star break. Alfred Payton still dealing with his leg stuff. What is it now? Groin? Calf? Hip? Who knows? He's all beat up. So Emmanuel quickly, who still came off the bench, you knew he was going to see a ton of activity. He took 21 shots in 29 minutes. He is a glorious streamer in the very short term. Otherwise, not much changes on this team. I'm holding, by the way, on Derrick Rose, because I, I would assume, unless he actually ends up with COVID, which would surprise me, by the way, because I think he would have seen a bunch of other guys on the Knicks in contact tracing if it, like if Rose actually had a positive comeback. So seems like he probably had an exposure, maybe outside the team unit. And if he doesn't catch it, then he would play right on the other side of the break. That's how these things tend to shake out if there's no positive infection. So don't, don't bail on Rose. He was looking great right before and then certainly after Peyton was knocked out. And if he comes back and does anything like what he was doing before, that's a guy that needs to be on fantasy rosters. Short term, yes, you're quickly. Nerlens Noel has been terrific lately. I know he only had four points in this game and a weird four turnovers, but 12 more rebounds, three more blocks. He's just rolling up defensive stats, and that's cool. San Antonio side, DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, sort of your usual suspects. Jakob Pertl was decent, if unspectacular. LaMarcus Aldridge sat this one out with a tummy bug, which are the worst, man. Those are the absolute worst. But we just talked about him on yesterday's podcast as being a possible drop. Or was that two days ago? Who knows? I don't remember when I talked about these things. Aldridge not making a case to stay on rosters, sitting out a ball game. I mentioned on yesterday's pod that I thought, look, if you were going to stream anybody on the Spurs in this, you know, they're missing everyone situation, I trusted Trey Lyles the most. Said that. Those words on this podcast this week, and Lyles played 30 minutes at 18-5-2 and two with two steals and four three-pointers. He was great. Why did I pick Lyles? Some of you guys might be asking that. Very reasonable question. Why was it Lyles? Why was, the, why was he the guy, Dan, that you said you would trust if you were going to stream anyone on the Spurs? Well, because power forwards, it's just easier to get fantasy stats at power forward. It's an easier stat set to move up the leaderboard because your turnovers are going to be low. You're going to get near to the rim, so your field goal percent is probably going to be all right. Lyles can hit the three. Lyles can rebound a little bit. 
And then if he plays 30 minutes, he'll get a steal or a block. I mean, it'll be something over one combined, even though he's not a big steals and blocks guy overall. One thing I didn't see coming was the return, if briefly, of Keldon Johnson, who played 10 minutes off the bench. Conditioning is all out of whack. He clearly got tossed for a loop by COVID, and then uh, Rudy Gay and Derek White, those guys aren't expected until after the break, so they really got nailed too. Like, these were, these were symptomatic spurs, and that sucks because Keldon was having a really nice year. And, yeah, he probably does work his way back up to near full tilt, but, like, Think about some of the other young guys that have just been smoked by this thing. I don't know that Jason Tatum is still 100%. And that was like, what, a month and a half ago? Cat has said he's not anywhere near right. Michael Porter Jr. seems like he's just finally coming around. I think you're probably seeing some of the Mavericks that had it finally coming around to explain maybe why they're not a step slow anymore. A bunch of those guys. You've seen Maxi Kleba play better recently. Like, this this is a real thing that is knocking guys out for longer, even after they come back. Something to monitor there with Keldon Johnson. Like, he had, he had his recent play was not fantasy-friendly. He had fallen off. Steals and blocks had disappeared. Percentages had both taken a hit. He pretty much became like a glorified Rui Hachimura even before... He went out with COVID. So if he doesn't get back to where he was before, he's a guy that I don't know that you can necessarily start every game. And I don't mean to be the buzzkill guy on Keldon Johnson, but like he's not. Where is he at now? Isn't he like round 120? And yeah, I know that's including this game where he was on a strict minutes count trying to get his conditioning back. But he was at like 110 before that. And trending down pretty hard. Remember, he was hovering in the 60 to 75 range for a while at the beginning of the year. And he's just been slowly petering out since then. He's down there with Carmelo Anthony, who no one wants to touch in a category league. And yet, I don't think anybody out there is saying Keldon Johnson's a drop. He's he's damn close, guys. And not just because of COVID. He was on his way there anyway. Points leagues, there's... uh, There's a little bit more there. Anyway, we'll monitor the Spurs. They'll be very different after the All-Star break than they are here before. Denver blew out Milwaukee. Nikola Jokic. The starters actually got normal minutes on the Denver side, and some of that's just because they're not deep at all right now. But good Lord, Nikola Jokic is just possessed this fantasy season. There's no one even in his stratosphere in value this year. Uh, What he's done... Really on the aggression side, the steals are way up. That seems anomalous, but they're holding. And the scoring, that's the real big jump for him. Actually taking all of those shots while still getting the rebounds and assists. Unbelievable year he's putting together. He is... Uh, Steph Curry is the number two guy by totals right now. Jokic has played one more game than Steph. Right now, Steph, you'd have to add, like, Chris Paul to him to get from the number two guy to the number one guy. Chris Paul, by the way, is the number 15 player in fantasy this year. That's how good Jokic has been. That's how valuable he's been to fantasy teams. It's pretty remarkable. I don't think anybody saw that coming. The, a runaway number one? There were arguments that he, he could be in the top five 
largely because of durability. You figured, all right, well, he'll be like the number seven, eight guy by per game, but he doesn't jump, so he doesn't miss very many basketball games. So maybe he plays in almost every game, and, you know, he does, like, the opposite of a Kawhi last year. Kawhi was, what, number three by per game, missed a bunch of times, so he was, like, number six or seven by averages. Flip it. Make him number six or seven by averages, play in every ball game, and, you know, maybe Jokic is, like, top three. But he is... He's just steamrolled everyone. Will Barton's actually been decent here lately with the Nuggets missing everybody. But, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Bucks side, they're, they're not an interesting fantasy team. Uh, and, and generally, they weren't very good in this game. Giannis was, was okay. Uh, Middleton was also okay, but that was kind of it. Drew Holiday still only played 18 minutes. He's not close to being healthy yet. And then the Suns beat the Lakers. Devin Booker got ejected. Alex Caruso got hurt. The game got a little chippy. And then it didn't matter because everybody was just raining in buckets in a game where I thought for sure you'd you'd see this thing. Man, I like the fact that it ended at 218 is actually kind of heartbreaking because it looked like it was on its way way over. And then the teams finally missed a few shots in the last, you know, two, two and a half minutes of the ball game. Overall, the Suns' second unit was so good late in this one that Monty Williams just left him on the court, which at that point was Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, Chris Paul came back on to run that unit. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, Abdel Nader, I think, were part of that sort of steamrolling group for them. Bridges was great. Uh, Nader, you're not adding Abdel Nader, don't, don't get started on that. DeAndre Ayton didn't get back into the ball game because the other guys were playing so well, but he was actually having a nice game. And I keep talking up Jay Crowder, and then he keeps having bad games after I do so. He was better in this one, at least. Uh, four threes, shot the ball well, had himself his steal. It always levels off with him. He is the perfectly average 3 and D guy. Lakers side, no Marcus Gasol, health and safety protocol. Kyle Kuzma was out with an injury. All of that stuff was relatively, well, not that late-breaking. We knew about Gasol a few hours in advance. Uh, so the Lakers were really cut down in their front court. And had I known that, I might have made a play on the Suns, but that's sort of in family time when a lot of that news came out. And, and so the Lakers had no rim protection. The, the Suns were getting into the paint, and guys that had no business protecting the rim were trying to do so, and it left these wide-open kickouts. The Suns hit 16 threes in the ballgame, and they just, you know, everybody shot the ball well. Booker was on his way to a huge one before his ejection. The pace of this game had the Suns slated to score about 102 points. So they just blew right past that number by a dozen. And the Lakers would have been around 99 or 100. So they even the Lakers went over by a little bit despite missing some free throws. This was really just a game where, you know, the tempo was perfect for an underbet we placed and the actual gameplay wasn't truthfully if you gave me this exact game again you know 500 times i'd take the under every single time and it would hit more often than not the teams played about as well offensively as they could despite the booker ejection and it still only went over by a bucket that is that hurts the heart but anyway uh for the lakers side who cares you tricked you guys right if Marcus Gasol and Kyle Kuzma miss another ball game, 
you could stream Markeith Morris, and it would probably be a decent one. That would be... To, uh, that's actually tonight. So, yeah, they probably will. Lakers are on the back-to-back -back in Sacramento. That, ooh, that could be a, a very fast... <laughs> that could be a very fast ball game. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, now we loop back around to the first game that we skipped over at the beginning of this because I thought it was going to be the most interesting one, but we found stuff in the other ones. And that is Memphis at Washington. Grizzlies, who only play blowouts, beat the Wizards 125-111. to Not a full blowout, but uh, not all that far off of it. And the story of this game was unquestionably DeAnthony Melton, who played 26 minutes with no Grayson Allen. That's been the key for his value this year. 20 points, 4 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 6 three-pointers in one of the lines of the night. Brandon Clark, by the way, really nice game with no slow-mo in the lineup tonight on the Grizzlies side. I mean, this is, Grizzlies are, are a classic addition by subtraction kind of team, and you saw it in full force today. So forget for a minute that Brandon Clark had a really nice game. He's He needs to remain on rosters. He hasn't quite been the dominant roto force we were hoping for this year, but he's still been fine. He's still been good enough to get the job done. Uh, I think he's, is he just outside the top 100 by totals because Grizzlies had a bunch of games canceled. He's number 89 by averages, so that's fine. He's just sort of slowly plugging his way along. Melton's the one I want to talk about because he is in and out of the damn doghouse in Memphis uh, on, on a night-to-night -night basis, and it's killing us. He had a three-minute performance in their win over the Clippers on the 25th of February. The very next night, he played 24 minutes against the Clips and had 16-3-2 with a block. Then he played 22 minutes in a blowout win at Houston and another great game, 14-3-5, four steals and a three-pointer. And then this one, 26 minutes, which is among his higher numbers of the year, 20, the, and the line we just rattled off to you. So he's, you know, he's not going to be a monster three-point shooter, but he did have six of them in this ballgame. And somehow, despite all of this BS, he's number 100 on a per-game basis in nine category leagues in 21 minutes per game. That is how robust the dude's fantasy numbers are. Number 100 in 21 minutes a game. And so for like the 15th time this season, I have to tell you guys, pick him up. Pick him up. I don't know what's going to happen. I would be lying to you if I claimed that I did. He could very easily go back to being a 17 to 22 minute a game guy, which is where he was at before, 20 to 21 minutes a ball game, and that lately has actually been enough. But what we're hunting for here are, well, consistency. It's consistency. It doesn't have to be that he plays 26 minutes every ball game, but we, he's got to get to 23 every night. He just has to. And then anything over that is gravy, because he can get it done. We've seen it. He can get it done in 23 minutes a night. Good steals, good blocks, fine threes, good percent. Uh, he doesn't shoot the free throw very much, but after a weird start this year, I think he's made something like 11 free throws in a row. So that number's coming back up right around his career mark, which isn't actually that great. So I don't want to give him more credit than he deserves. Field goal percent on the rise this year as he's sort of settled in a little bit more. Assists are not bad. He's at three in 20 minutes, so add another minute or two or four there, and that climbs up into the four range. Rebounds probably climbs up into the four range also. 
Hell yeah, give me a guy who's going to get me a you know 11-4-4 four four with a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. Hell yeah. Pick him up. Everywhere except for points leagues. I don't know that you need to grab him in points leagues because you know, a lot of his value is tied up in efficiency. And that's not as big of a deal there. But any nine-category league needs to be rostered, and he is dramatically under-rostered. But the reason for that are, are, is obvious, because all of a sudden he just... Taylor Jenkins just gave him 15 minutes, and that's not enough. Let's pay close attention to what happens to Melton when Grayson Allen comes back, and we will make other adjustments from there. But you have to add him, because on the chance that he sticks and plays 24 minutes a ball game, he's probably a top 85, top 80 guy. And those guys aren't just not growing on trees at this point in the season. You'll have a few that pop up because of the trade deadline and or tanking. But other than that, I mean, this is this is one of the most interesting stories we've had in a week and a half. Everything else has been streamer. Uh, so why don't we actually pivot and start talking about what's coming up here on a, a pretty packed Wednesday night of basketball not the last day before the All-Star break. We have a pretty packed Thursday coming up as well, so we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Detroit is in Toronto. That's a reschedule of a game that was supposed to be yesterday. I cannot believe they're playing this game. The Raptors are missing like 60% of their team, and they're still favored by nine, which I don't know, man. This game is going to be so far out of left field. There should be some streaming options on the Raptors, and lucky for you guys, they have another one before the All-Star break, so you actually get a sort of running head start here. Toronto, uh, right? didn't they have one more? Yeah, they're in Boston the following day. I knew it. Okay, yeah, I got that right. Uh, so you watch this game if you want. You don't have to make a play beforehand and just say, okay, who's going to get the big minutes? Is it going to be Terrence Davis? Whoever the hell it is, it's probably going to be the same guy the next day. Detroit. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has actually been pretty good lately. I know. I know. I didn't expect me. I didn't expect to say that at any point either. Hopefully, they'll have DeLon right back after the All-Star break. So, whatever this Dennis Smith thing is, it's likely not to last a great deal longer. Indiana at Cleveland. Pacers have been bad lately. I don't know who the hell is going to play for them. Sounds like Jeremy Lamb and Doug McDermott are both questionable for this ball game. Cavs playing really good ball going into the All-Star break. This, I believe, is the last game before the break for both of these teams. Let me double-check myself on that. No, Indiana is hosting Denver tomorrow. So there is a possible Cavs look-ahead thing going on here, but I think they're having enough fun, at least on the betting side, where that shouldn't be a big deal. Cavs on a bit of revenge. Indiana beat them by 20-odd, I think, earlier in the year, if I'm getting that number right. And then from a fantasy standpoint, if you're on Indiana's side now and all the wings are missing, they'll probably go to more Aaron Holiday, and I would assume you see more T.J. McConnell and just bump the other guys up a slot. Brogdon would go shooting guard, and Justin Holiday would go small forward. I think the Cavs probably know they're closing in on getting Nance and or Love back. Utah at Philly. That should be a fun one. We don't know who's playing for the Sixers yet, but luckily for us, fantasy-wise, this game is sort of nothing. Just let out a little steam and move along to the next one. Brooklyn, James Harden returns to the scene of the crime. The Houston Rockets will host the Brooklyn Nets. They're uh, waiting on a few little health statuses, largely on the Houston side, whether or not guys like Oladipo and or Wall might take an evening off. 
The Rockets, I believe this is their last game before the break. For Brooklyn, I'm, uh, I, I know for certain that it is. And yeah, double-checking Rockets do not have another game before the All-Star break. Should be a pretty emotional one. You might want to look at Houston early before they likely run out of steam and Brooklyn probably beats the snot out of them in the second half. Fantasy-wise, you're watching to see if Jeff Green is playing on the Brooklyn side. That's sort of the big will-I-won't-I stream thing because if he's in it probably squeezes Bruce Brown enough that maybe he doesn't quite hit the mark. You probably still see enough out of DeAndre Jordan unless Houston goes to ultra small ball, and that just seems like a terrible idea. No rim protection against Harden and Kyrie? (laughs) I shudder at the thought. Uh, Houston side, Justin Patton probably has himself a decent opportunity here. There's going to be a lot of rim attacking from the Nets. He probably ends up in foul trouble, if I had to guess, but maybe gets himself a few stats along the way. Meets, makes, <laughs> meets some people, makes some friends along the way. Brooklyn, I, I, I mean, this is really a, uh, a really interesting game to watch. Fantasy-wise, basketball-wise, there's a lot going on here with Brooklyn. You've got Jordan, Bruce Brown, possible streamers. Do you start Jeff Green if he plays? Houston side, Justin Patton, Jay, Jay Sean Tate. Is Daniel House going to play in this ballgame? If not, does that mean Sterling Brown or David Nawaba has a, a path? A lot of interesting stuff here. Charlotte at Minnesota. Okay, that should be interesting. <laughs> the opposite interesting of Brooklyn-Houston. Hornets, last game before the break. Wolves actually do have the back-to-back. Man, they've been bad, though. Hornets have just been better. This is the end of a six-game road trip for Charlotte going into the All-Star break. This is, uh, if ever there was a time where you might see a bad team just run away with one, this could be it. Like, Minnesota either gets blown out by 25 or they probably blow out Charlotte by 25. Someone's not going to be focused in this ballgame, and I just don't know who yet. Fantasy side, Minnesota, we're not really seeing anybody step up. In fact, we've even seen our buddy Ricky Rubio take a step back lately. He's pushed himself into potential drop territory with his poor play, unless you just need assists, because that's that's all he's getting right now. With Charlotte, we'll see who's healthy enough to go. Gordon Hayward, possibility. I don't know that you're doing any violent streaming with the Hornets, and, and you certainly aren't on the Minnesota side because they're, whew, they're a wreck with no Malik Beasley and no D'Angelo Russell. That's just too much for a team to wear. That already, already wasn't very good. Chicago in New Orleans taking on the Pelicans. I believe the Bulls beat the Pelicans earlier this year. Last game for Chicago, last game for both. No, New Orleans, they, they had a three-game week. Sorry, guys, got that one wrong. Pelicans host the Heat tomorrow. So, Pellies with a back-to-back. Not much there on either side, at least from a streaming or pickup perspective. I think with Chicago, we're watching Wendell Carter Jr. Should be a little bit of more of a traditional matchup with Steven Adams. It's a big guy to bang with, but at least he's not going to be going at him the whole ball game. There will be some stretches, though, where he's defending Zion, and that could be trouble as well. Hawks, second game under Nate McMillan after the coaching switch. They're in Orlando. We mentioned that game earlier in the podcast. This is, uh, this is a weird spot because I expect Atlanta to come out and play hard again. I think they, they have that coaching bounce sort of until they don't. 
This is Orlando's last game before the break also. They've been not as good after a, a very brief stretch where they looked a little bit more competent. And then the one thing to monitor with, you know, with Atlanta is how do the minutes shake out under McMillan? Does he change anything up? Orlando, there's really nothing until Aaron Gordon comes back, and then you can shake up the puzzle board and and reassess things. Thunder in Dallas taking on the Mavericks. Mavs have been running better lately. There's no real betting angle on this one other than to say, look, the Thunder are a pretty feisty team, but the Mavs look good of late. Maybe you look at the over if you think they get themselves into a bit of a track meet. Theo Maladone's a guy you want to keep one eye on on OKC should he ever decide to get aggressive. And then with Dallas, the Jalen Brunson heater is just extraordinary. I have no idea how long this can last. I keep looking at it like, okay, well, it's going to run out. It's going to run out, I keep saying to myself over and over again. But the dude's shooting damn near 61% over the last two weeks now. This is a guard. So this isn't like he's getting to the rim and getting ultra-easy looks. These jumpers can't all go down and, you know, floaters, whatever else he's getting. He's just been a an incredible pillar of efficiency. And so I, I think you just you ride him until the, the reversion comes. Because it will. I don't know how bad it's going to be. It might not be that extreme. It might be like he shoots 48% for a month, and that brings his season back to the you know, 50-51 range. So, you know, it might not be this cataclysmic drop-off, but without the 60% shooting, without the 55-60% to 60% shooting, he's no longer a fantasy asset because his game right now is so reliant on the field goal percent. 18 points, 2.5 threes is good, but 4.5 rebounds, meh, 2 assists, not great for a guard. He does at least have a steal per game over the last two weeks, and I don't know that we can count on that to stick either. But... I don't know how you don't play him with the way he's looked lately. He's still available in a bunch of leagues I'm in, which seems a little loony. Although he is on waivers in those leagues, so I'm guessing people probably have claims in on him and he won't be a free agent for long. Warriors, Blazers, there are no fantasy angles of any kind in this one. I think you're just waiting to see if Draymond is good enough to go at a normal clip. If he is, I would think the Warriors have a pretty good game plan for the Blazers. They've been good defensively, and Portland has not. It's a good line, though. Even money. Uh, Lakers in Sacramento on the back-to-back. Lakers, did they... Did the Suns... Give him a little KO before the All-Star break. This this game smells of the one that the Kings just sort of wake up and win after blowing that last one against Charlotte. Or did that game against Charlotte, was that just the gut punch that ruined the seat, that ended it? I don't know. I don't know. Fantasy-wise, if Sacramento does find themselves starting to look at selling, you'll want to get yourself kind of lined up a little bit on that team. And, and what I mean by that is... and. I think I talked about this on, was it Monday's pod, or was it the, it might have been the premium show, that the Kings are one of those teams along with, you know, I would have said the Timberwolves, I really don't remember what podcast I did this on, that's too many shows that I'm doing these days, the Kings, the Rockets, yes, the Wolves are obviously a seller at the deadline, but they don't really have anything to sell, the teams that are sellers, I think, that have stuff to sell are the Kings, 
the Rockets, the Magic. That's kind of it. Wizards don't have much to sell except for Bradley Beal, so it's sort of all or nothing out there. Pistons don't have much to sell. They're older guys they just gave contracts to, and Blake Griffin's probably, you know, he's already not playing, so that nothing changes about that. Kings and Rockets, though, if guys move, it, uh, it, it does open up something. Houston is an easier one to read because if Houston moves P.J. Tucker, he's very clearly the guy on the block, then Jay Sean Tate and the other wings slide into bonus minutes. For the Kings, uh, Nemanja Bjelica being on the block, that's nothing. He might just end up getting bought out. Would they trade Rashawn Holmes? They should if they can get something great for him because he's been awesome and teams, I'm sure, would love to have him. Would a team trade for Corey Joseph? They shouldn't, but maybe somebody's dumb enough out there to, to give up a pick for that. I don't think he gets waived. Harrison Barnes jumps out as the guy that other teams I'm sure would love to have, but that's sort of easier said than done with Barnes. Uh, most notably because he's a guy that signed a deal that holds him through Sacramento for two more years, although on a decreasing rate, to be fair. I don't think there are too many contenders that want to take on someone who still has $39 million owed to them over the next two seasons after this one. So with the Kings, I don't know. You know, like, uh, who, who of these guys can they trade to get out of the way for what young guy specifically? So they're a little bit less interesting in that regard. Uh, looking at some of the young guys on the team that maybe you could see playing a bit more Daquan Jeffries is a guy that maybe they'd like to slide into a few extra minutes. But Tyrese Halliburton, their, their prize rookie, he's already playing a ton. Rashawn Holmes is a free agent after this year. He's on a very team-friendly contract. So that's the guy, as much as we love him here at Hoopball, that's the guy that other teams should be lusting for. And there are a bunch of contenders that would be extremely wise to go try to get him and find out whatever it would take. You just, like, the, the Kings should be looking for a bidding war. Think of some of the teams, uh, and I don't know if, if many of these teams can make the math work, but, like, the Brooklyn Nets, that would be a massive addition to that team. Their center is DeAndre Jordan right now. He can't keep up. The Raptors, I know people love Chris Boucher, but... Get someone in there who's a little bit stronger. Be a great add to that team. The Charlotte Hornets. Not that they're a contender, but they're in the playoffs in the East, and if they really want to push up, that would be a guy they could get because he's durable. Cody Zeller is not, and Bismack Biombo is useless. What about in the Western Conference? They were going to trade it within their own conference? Yeah, plenty of teams could use a center. The Warriors... I know they want to grow James Wiseman, but he's not ready to be the guy yet. The Lakers. Lakers could use a center. I don't think they have the money to... to. I don't, I don't know that they have the pieces to make that work, and I don't know that they have the assets to actually be in the mix on a trade like that. But good heavens, they could use someone with a little bit of rim protection that's got some speed over Marcus Soule. And, of course, the problem for Rashawn Holmes is that most of these places I'm detailing... He's not going to get the high 20s, low 30s minutes he's getting in Sacramento. Who else in the West would look for a center that's 
trying to fight for something. That's probably about it. Spurs seem like a team that's smart enough to go try to get him and re-sign him with LaMarcus Aldridge done, but they might also just throw it to Jakob Pertl in the short term. Uh, so when I say line yourself up behind a team, if Rashawn Holmes gets moved in Sacramento, Hassan Whiteside probably gets bought out, and so then you're looking at a truckload of Marvin Bagley. That's the guy you're probably lining up for because he's been so awful this year, number 235, mostly because his percentages have been crap. Okay, fine, free throw percent. Field goal percent hasn't been crap. It's just, it's been fine. Uh, Throw him out there for 32, 33 minutes instead of 25 or 26, and the volume will overcome the issues. Punt free throw guy, but if suddenly he's out there and he's averaging like 18 and 10 and a steal and almost a block and, you know, one and a half assists or whatever. Yeah, that that ends up, that plays, basically, in a way that Marvin in 25 and change minutes does not. And that's your big Wednesday preview, and that is the podcast. I didn't inundate you guys with advertisements today because you've been so good about checking out ExpressVPN and Manscaped.com and MyBookie.ag. You see what I did there? (laughs) I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. And I will say again, rate and review the podcast and screenshot it to me and get yourself in a running for a damn cash prize. It's too easy not to do. And if you already reviewed it on one phone, review it on another. This is for iTunes only, by the way. So apologies for those of you who are like, how do I do it on Spotify? I honestly don't know. I don't even think you can. Those of you that use Spotify to listen to the podcast, you could probably still just get iTunes on your computer even you didn't use it for very much. So there are a lot of ways to get involved, get signed up for this particular contest, and that is the push of the week here on Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball presentation. I'm Dan Bespers. Have a wonderful big Wednesday. One more day of games before the All-Star break. We got a lot of stuff to talk about about the break, and I, gotta, I still got to figure out when the hell we're fitting that into the podcast. Maybe I'll do a bonus show. That seems dumb. I do too many shows as it is, but maybe I will. Maybe it'll be like a 15-minute quick hitter. That's the only way that makes sense. Or uh, release Friday's show really early and make it like an 80-minute podcast. Oh, that sounds like a burden. (laughs) We're all right. We're all right. The kids are all right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. So long. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.